So this morning I've elected to look at the first reading from Ephesians because today seemed to be a day of celebration as we welcome Sandra and Kay's ordained ministry amongst us and weighing up either the gory beheading of John the baptizer and the presenting of his head on a platter at a party um, versus St Paul's assurance that we are called, chosen and purpose for God's service I decided we would go uh, with Ephesians. I hope you agree, but if you are um, fancying a horror story, you can challenge me to write another sermon on the um, head of John the Baptizer at another time. In fact, I happen to know, um, if you're especially keen to hear the gospel preached this morning, that Gary, in the rector of Fordingbridge, is preaching on the gospel. So if you want to watch... Avon Valley Church's services back. I'm sure you'll both be edified, but you'll also get to hear about John's gory fate. I also feel obliged um, to say this as as a proud Welshman. I wish you all the very best of luck this evening with your nation's football endeavours. It's very clear England deserve to be in the final. Um, and, you know, there's only so much, so far a Welshman will go. Um, but I wish you the very best of luck this evening. There, I've said it, and it's been recorded for posterity. I want today to give you four points about the reading from Ephesians. Firstly, we are a chosen people. Neither you nor I are accidents, but an intentionally chosen and created people. We'll come back to each of these in turn. Secondly, we are a purpose-driven people, living for and living out the purposes of God in his world. Thirdly, the empowering nature of the Holy Spirit in revealing Christ to us and through us to others in the world. And finally, the invitation to all, and by all, I mean everyone, to become believers in Jesus and become part of this story of good news, which we call the gospel. Paul is the subject of one of the ultimate accounts of transformation in the Bible, a degree of transformation that goes even beyond uh, the Welsh football team. Um, even beyond the English football team, even if it comes home this evening. Paul's story of transformation is one of the ultimate accounts by Christ himself. And in Acts chapter 9, Saul, the great persecutor of the church, who went house to house searching for and imprisoning men and women of faith who followed Jesus, now has a conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And it changes everything in the now Paul's life. His identity changes, his name changes from Saul to Paul, his physical body is changed as he becomes temporarily blind following his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus road. But perhaps most markedly of all, his purpose in life changes. I think I shared a few weeks ago in a service um, the well-known quote by Mark Twain who said that the two greatest uh, points in life 
are knowing that you're born and knowing why. Knowing that you're born and knowing why. And Paul's sense of why changes dramatically after his encounter with Jesus. He goes from being the great persecutor of Christians to become an evangelist and planter of churches that grew and multiplied out. This is a story of transformation. Paul knows the power of God to transform lives. And you and I reading Paul and being inspired by this tale of transformation can hope for similar transformation by the grace of God in our own lives. And so in verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 1, we read, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Never make the mistake of skipping over um, verses like this as if they were just mere introductions, the kind of to whom it may concern at the beginning of a book of the Bible. They are always significant. And here at the start of this letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul is stating that God is the Father of Jesus, who is the King and the long-promised Messiah, Paul wants to make it clear in a time that was filled with false gods and, and false prophets and peddlers of false truths and, and heresies and competing ideologies, nothing much changes, um, that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that Jesus is the one whose words are authoritative. And in this marketplace of ideas, that Paul is writing in. He wants to hold the church in Ephesus to faithfully following the words of Christ, who was there at the point of creation um, and has revealed himself ever since. What follows from verse 2 in verses 3 to 14 is a prayer of praise and thanksgiving as Paul worships God for his work of salvation in people's lives. Paul tells of how God chose us, how God purposed us, empowered us, and sealed us with the Holy Spirit. Paul is setting out that there is one God who we should worship, because there only is one God who has chosen us, purposed us, empowered us, and sealed us with his Spirit. So let's look at what it means to be chosen. For many people, their school years are some of the best years of their lives. Years where we have relationships, new and deeply formative experiences. We become increasingly independent. uh, And for so many, school was a happy place. But equally for many, school can be a painful place, a place of memories of unhelpful, even hurtful experiences. And you might know that experience, if that was true of your school years, of being the person who wasn't so sporty and known not to be so sporty, being the last to be picked for whatever team as the um, elite were chosen and you were left feeling increasingly lonely and isolated in the line. Can I just say, I've had therapy for this since, and I'm now fairly secure in my identity. I've dealt with that, 
um, and it'll only come up every so often in sermons. But sometimes our experience of the world prevent us from entering fully into the life of faith and a God who has chosen you, irrespective of your human experiences of being chosen. You might have been rejected from job interviews. Very painfully, people might know the rejection of family. You might know the rejection of long-standing partners. But know this, God has chosen you, and that won't change. Paul tells us, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now just before we get into the detail of this verse, just let it sink in. Feel the contrast between situations where our self-esteem has been rocked or knocked and contrast it with the reality that God willingly and joyfully chose you to be found in him from the foundation of the world. There's a second point here, and it moves us from the personal out to something much larger. God chose us in love, but he also chose us so that we might be part of his bigger plan to take this love into which we are called and chosen and to share this transforming love with the whole world. And so we see this embodied in stories from the Old Testament, like the leading of the people of Israel from slavery, um, where they were functional uh, property um, of Egypt, the people of God. And... um, people following God's call led the people of Israel from slavery to the promised land based on a promise that God would be with them, that he would lead them into a place of flourishing. And that's part of our calling as the church. We are to lead people from a place of slavery, um, picking up on Kay's notice about the recovery course from places of addiction to places of freedom and flourishing. God chose us in him to be his people, his transforming presence in the world. Secondly, we are a purpose-driven people. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. I shared that God has chosen us for a purpose. What did God promise Abraham Isaac and Jacob all those years before Paul. God promised them Canaan at a point, the promised land, at a point in their lives where they were subject to slavery. At the heart of the promise of God that we have a purpose in our lives is freedom. Our purpose is to discover and enter into the full freedom that Christ has brought for us. So for the Canaanites or for the Israelites, um, a land of their own, a place of freedom and abundance. But to enter that freedom, they had to go on a long journey of wrestling with God in the desert, wrestling with their own demons and finally entering the promise that God had made. 
And I wonder how many times you've had to wait and wrestle to discover God's purpose for your life. I wonder if you feel you know it now. Maybe you're not yet at a point where, where you know Jesus. And maybe today could be the start of a journey towards growing into that identity. But I wonder if in your working lives you've been through several jobs and have never completely found um, that which is for you, that which fully embodies you. And there's that sense of the people of Israel wrestling with God in a desert so that when they entered the promise that God had made to them, they knew that, yes, this is the promise realised. This is our life and purpose fulfilled. Thirdly, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's face it, living the Christian life is not easy. And I'm not entirely sure it's meant to be. I'm not entirely sure that we were ever promised it would be. Jesus said to his disciples, foxes have holes, but the son of man has nowhere to lie his head. Later on, he invited his disciples to follow him in the path that leads to crucifixion. We were never promised, friends, that being a Christian was a ticket to an easy life. And I suspect those of us who have been walking with Christ for a while know that not to be the case We wrestle still like the rest of the world with the questions of how can we believe in Jesus and yet see so much suffering in the world. That will be another 20 minutes if I go into that one. But you get the idea that we were never promised um, an easy journey. But at the top of um, a picture that a friend posted on Facebook recently, we see God's plan for our lives and where we're at and there's no level journey to that point and finally we read at the end of chapter of (coughs) chapter one of ephesians the invitation to become part of this story so often um, when we're hearing a story like of the english football team at the moment to ground it in something you can get suitably joyful about and I'll try and enter into your joy as well even as a Welshman Um, but we get involved and engrossed in the story of fighting for something which seems to be unachievable Uh, you know defeating Italy after you know I think a half a century and that's as far as my football knowledge goes really I'm a rugby follower an egg chaser as you might uncharitably describe me Um, But I think after 50 years, there's this story that the British public are entering into. And I live on Southampton Road, which is near the town centre. And as we were putting our kids to bed the other night and England were playing Denmark and we could hear the shouts, the cheers of our people um, in the pubs in Ringwood watching the match and that real sense of entering into the joys and the heartaches and the pains and then ultimately jubilation. We love to enter into stories, don't we, that grip us and excite us. It's like watching the latest Netflix blockbuster for those who that means anything for. We get involved in the stories. 
I remember watching my father growing up, watching the rugby, and he would sit in the sofa, and we were all, uh, we were all aware that we weren't allowed to say a word, but my father would be there, and, you know, his eyes would, and face would be like this, his eyes darting about, following the ball with precision, and when, you know, when it came to scrums, my father's face would go, start to lean to one side to try and follow where the ball was, where the action was happening. We enter into stories that grip us, And the invitation of Jesus is to enter into his story and to discover that we are chosen. Let me just personalise it for a moment. That you are chosen. That you are purposed for his work. That you have a purpose in your lives, even if you're yet to discover it. That you are empowered, resourced, if you like, by the Holy Spirit to do all the things that God has called you to do. And that you are invited to share this transforming love with everyone. Let us pray.